Last night, my mind was filled with Halloween. There was to be a pageant representing our county's agricultural products. I was to be a ham. Are we starting? Let me throw my phone away. Oh, okay. I mean, he does want to really throw his phone away. I do want to really throw my phone away. But you know what? We'll deal with that later. Hello, Lindsay! Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings. The podcast... Oh, it's not even Halloween. Welcome to October. It is October. (laughs) I'm like, it's not October. It is October. at the time of us recording it, it's not. Yeah. But it will be. It will be. So I'm really sorry that I was really loud in everyone's ear. I apologize. So I'll be over here for the rest of the episode, okay? Lindsay, what's, the, what's the month after September? Halloween. Halloween. What's the month after Halloween? Christmas. Um, Thanksgiving, <laughs> then Christmas. I don't know. Are we talking Christmas about according giving. to... Are we talking about according to the stores? No, because according to the stores, it's Christmas. It's Christmas, cause because Target has Halloween decorations out and a single row of Christmas lights and decorations. I know, they always do that. That's ridiculous. Menards has almost the entire Enchanted Forest set up yes, because I, see, I see it go up more and more every day when I'm there. <laughs> I saw that. Yep. Anyway. Hello! Welcome, folks, to movie number 25 on our list. To Kill a Mockingbird. From 1962. Yeah. Because it's October. It was. <laughs> this movie was number... 34 on the list, and it went up nine places. I just entertained myself. You really do. I do. That's all that matters. So it went up. It did. Would you say it was? Sorry. <laughs> it was 34, now it's 25. I it went laughing. up nine places. That's cool. That's cool. Wow, I jumped that high. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you want to talk about the movie? We first? should. We should. We let, 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 Like yes. our thoughts first? Yeah, okay. let's, let's talk about the movie. I love, love, love this book. I really like the movie, but... I think they should be flip-flop with Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. and You think Mr. Smith needs to go higher? Uh-huh. I will agree with that, actually. Like, and we're It's not... real close, and it yeah. might I might be slightly biased because I love Jimmy Stewart so much, and, but and I the... honestly think that... And it's not like we're saying, like, oh, it needs to be flipped with, like... It's Sophie's Choice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, like, where my brain went. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, no, because it's like, we're not saying that. It, I no. would agree, though. I, these but I two... think this is maybe flip-flopped. And I feel like that's going to be, like, the biggest jump I'm going to have with things. It's like, meh, maybe this should be above this. Yes. Like, I personally don't feel Singing in the Rain needs to be high in the list. I'm curious as to... But I've never to... seen it, so... Yeah, see, I'm curious as to why that's Singing why I'm in the like, Rain is so high. I don't high. get it. Okay, but I'm anyway. I'm intrigued. No, I do like this movie too yeah, this movie was really good, good. i have a better because the last time i watched this movie was in high school so it's been over a decade oh gregory peck <laughs> you're looking up that the people died you know almost everybody in this movie's I dead know, right but gregory this is a re- the, his headshot is a really nice headshot of gregory oh yeah peck. it is yeah doesn't even really look like him kind of looks like rod sterling yeah a little from, bit from uh twilight zone i can see that yeah 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 i forgot he was in the omen Oh, Rod Gregory Peck. Yeah, yeah, the original one. Yes. Yeah, no, I um, I think this movie's good. I, I, as I was explaining to you while we were watching it, I, I remembered, I remembered the the basic plot. I remembered about Boo Radley. Right. I remember about Tom Robinson. Yes. Okay. So for good some job. reason, that just didn't sound right. But like, I remember about him. I remember about the courts. Like, I remember that whole the whole trial. I know. I remember mm-hmm. all that stuff happening. But I didn't remember the specifics behind everything, and I couldn't remember the direction the stories were like, like the the opinion of like Atticus. Mm. 
uh, representing Tom Robinson. Yeah. And like, I couldn't remember if if when spoilers, I'm sorry, but when Tom doesn't get let off from yeah. the charges, I couldn't remember if everybody was mad at Atticus because he didn't get him off. Right. Or like, I, I couldn't remember like those little right. details. And that was the stuff that I could remember, but then... I reread this book because Jeff and I were talking about this off mic that... Uh, at least for me personally, I think I speak for Jeff as well. Mm-hmm. I really like, well, I really like reading, but when I am forced to read a book, whether it's a it. good book or not, I hate whatever I'm reading. I hated To Kill a Mockingbird in high school. I hated Grapes of Wrath in high school. I have yet to reread Grapes of Wrath. I really want to. Great Gatsby was another one. Ooh, yeah. Still not the biggest fan of The Great Gatsby. I yeah. like the movie, but I'm not always the biggest fan of the book. Yeah. I don't like when people use Great Gatsby as, like, a love story. No. No. It's no. Kind of this it's weird obsession. It's effed, in, it's effed up. Yeah. It's more of an obsession up. with the character. Yeah, it's and, it's yeah. gross. It's, like, creepy um, territory. <laughs> I also, and I hate, yeah, I hated to Kim Mockingbird, and I bought it one summer, I think, like, senior year, like, at Target, just the book, and I loved it, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I, this was the only book that all through my school days whenever it was a book that we were assigned to read i never read the books all the way through there was not a single book except for this book that i actually read from cover to cover and i because i i'm not a fan of reading there's still only maybe there's only and i love reading there's only maybe like 10 books that I recall in my life having actually read every single page from cover to cover. Right. Eleven. That's a lie. I read all seven Harry Potter books. <laughs> yep. And and I'm not a big mis- like magical guy. I don't like that. Not I'm, a not big a, wizard. I'm not a big wizard. I'm not a big wizard person. person. Um, this book being one of them, and then obviously the Jerry Lewis book about Dean Martin and him, and then that the Dick Van Dyke Karen book. And I got you for Christmas. Yes, and then the Dick Van Dyke book about his time. I actually I loved that book. That was a great book. But um, but see, those are all bi- those are biographies, <laughs> more or less. Right. They're not story, except for obviously Harry Potter. But they're not stories. So the Harry Potter books and this book were the only ones that I recall off the top of my head that I actually have read a fiction book from cover to cover. Because I just, I'm not a big reader. So I rem, but I remember most of this movie. But again, I, I had no appreciation for this film back right. in high school. Or Robert I Duvall. had not seen it until now. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I still, it's hard for me to, I, I see Robert Duvall, but it's hard for me to believe that it. it's Robert Duvall. <laughs> I know, right? This is the third movie we've I seen can't him even in. with him right now. Sorry, I just said I know, right? Which is such a white girl thing to say. Totes. Totes. Um, <laughs> God. Anyways, uh, no, yeah, this is uh, this is our third Robert Duvall movie. Yes. And I can call. Maybe he's been in another one. I'm kind of blanking if there was another one. But... Oh, my God. Like, I'm looking at the more like this mm-hmm. on um, IMDb underneath, you know, like I cast. see Vertigo. <laughs> Vertigo, Lawrence of Arabia, Singing in the Rain, Sunset Boulevard, Citizen Kane, North by Northwest, All About Eve, Psycho, all on the list. Yeah. Then, well, Witness for the Prosecution, not on the list. Mm-hmm. Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. Amadeus, which should be on the list and isn't. Rear Window, Casablanca, <laughs> and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. So basically... And The Sting, but we haven't seen The Sting Because basically we're in that... The Sting's on this, though, right? No. The Sting's not on this list? I thought it was higher up for some reason. Okay. I am. As much I time as so. we have blasted through the next, like, the top 25 of this list, I no, still forget what's actually not. on this list. Trying to think of what you might be thinking of instead. The Graduate's on here. Chinatown's on here. The Sting is Robert Redford. Yes, it is. Maybe I'm just thinking of other Robert Redford movies we've seen, and I'm thinking there's more on here. Isn't The Color of Money the sequel to The Sting? Is it? No, that's The Sting 2, is apparently. Oh, it's Paul Newman and Robert Redford. So that's why I'm, maybe that's, I'm just getting confused yeah. with, like, Butch Cassidy then at that point. 
Okay, interesting. And then if you go to The Sting, the movies that are more like this, Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid, which is on the list. Cool Hand Luke, which should be on the list. Cool Hand Luke's amazing. I Bridge love on the River Kwai, on the list. <laughs> Unforgiven, on the list. Some Like It Hot, The Apartment. Tra- Vertigo. Deer Hunter. Oh, Deer Really? <laughs> we were watching Archer today, and Archer made a Deer Hunter reference. See, now, aren't you... Aren't you happy that we have done I this podcast? I did. Yes, I, I, am. I thoughly enjoyed the I Hunter. Really, I still really like that movie. Truly believe that's what that this doing this podcast has expanded my taste in movies. Yes, because I did not like old movies, mm-hmm. not because I thought they were boring or just, whatever. They just were not my thing. And now it's like I want to watch all these movies. Yeah, exactly. I did not watch Philadelphia Story when I got home the other night. Oh, and my not Philadelphia Story. Sorry, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Oh. I would have. I would have been okay with I you saying you tried watching either soon. one. Of, I would watch Philadelphia Story again. I wish they would put it somewhere. I'm just gonna have to buy it one of these days. Because that movie, I still enjoy that movie. That movie's so well written. <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. Well, now that we're ten minutes in the podcast and you haven't even described really the movie that we're watching, <laughs> so Lindsay, go into your spiel. Okay, so To Kill a Mockingbird, 1962, not rated. Two hours and nine minutes. It's a drama. 8.4 out of 10. No meta score. Directed by Robert Mulligan and written by Harper Lee and Horton Foote. Harper Lee wrote the book. And yes. as Jeff pointed out to me today, Harper Lee is still alive. Still alive. She's 88 years old. Um, Atticus Finch, a lawyer in the Depression era South, defends a black man against an undeserved rape charge and his kids against prejudice. Uh, quick side note. Roger Ebert gave this a two and a half star. Out of Does it say why? Um, He has an entire article regarding, uh, from his review on his website. So maybe what I'll do is I will post. I want to know why. That's rude. I will. How much more do you have to? Oh, you know what? During your trivia, I will read the, uh, I'll read his review and I'll see what he has to say about that. Oh, the kid who played Dill died of AIDS. Really? Yeah. I think the kids are still alive. I know I know Jem is still alive. And I know I'm pretty sure Scout's Let's see, still who's alive. Who's not dead? <laughs> it's probably an easier list, isn't it? Hmm. Who is not dead? <laughs> oh, Rosemary Murphy, who plays Maud Atkinson, died in July. Oh really? So she just mm-hmm. she just went. Ruth White, who we've seen before because she's the creepy grandma in Midnight Cowboy. Oh, yeah. I think she's the old lady who yells from the porch. <laughs> she died in 69. Um, Brock Peters is dead, who played Tom Robinson. Brock Peters, who was also known for Soylent Green and Star Trek Four and Star Trek Six. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> and the Borg War, and he was on JAG. Wow. And he did a lot of work with Star Trek. Like, lots of voices for the video game. He did uh, voices on Samurai Jack, The Wild Thornberries, Johnny Bravo. So he definitely had a Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He definitely had a lengthy career. The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, Mortal Kombat, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, Our Real Monsters. He was Snorch's voice box. (laughs) Um, the Commish, Batman the Animated Series series. He was Lucius Fox. Oh, wow. Okay, that's yep. interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to look and see. Yeah, Admiral Cartwright in Star Trek's four and six. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, dude. Ducktales. Woo. <laughs> Tagney and Lacey. Murder. She wrote. 
Magnum P.I. Okay, I'm done. But he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Oh, oh, that's just depressing. Estelle <laughs> Evans, who played Calpurnia, is dead. The guy who played Judge Taylor is dead. Mayella Violet is dead. She died of brain cancer. Fuck. Bob Ewell is dead. Aunt Stephanie Crawford is dead. Robert Duvall, not dead. No, he is not. That man is alive and kicking. And still acting. I really want to see The Judge. I'm very curious about that film. The prosecutor is dead. Walter Cunningham Sr. is dead. Nathan Radley is dead. So basically... Scout is alive. I'm reading... She's 61. (laughs) Jem is alive. He's 66. I'm reading... Kim Stanley, who is the voice of Scout and his adult, is dead. I am reading... um, Everyone in this movie is dead except the kids. Except for the kids, right? Yep. I'm reading his... uh, Roger Ebert's review regarding this film. Yeah. And basically it comes down to that he's well aware, like, the book was... Is good. He's yeah. not saying it's not good. But as a movie, because the movie was so faithful to the book, yeah. that as a movie, he claims it's kind of a naive story. Because stuff that happens in it, while it's trying to focus on this is the realities of stuff that was actually going punch on. Him in the face right now. Right. Like that's that this is what I'm taking away from it. But it's basically stating like little things that happen in the movie. Or, or that, like, the whole the whole subplot of Boo Radley right. comes in from left field at the end. Like, because you, you know the book, he's there. there's more going on. They right. cut a bunch of stuff in the movie out of the book, from the See, book out of the movie. And I think that's technically what he's, what he's, he's not saying that the movie is flawed because of the story or whatever. It's because of the way that the movie was presenting the story okay, makes the enough, movie flawed. But... Because little things, like the fact that they basically gloss over the fact that a black man was framed for something he didn't do yeah. and then was proceeded to be murdered... And they kind of just glo- they 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 do that whole thing and like you feel like that Tom should happen. Tom doesn't get murdered. Yeah, he gets killed. That's what he goes to tell them. That's what Atticus goes to tell the family that oh, Tom's dead. Oh, that's right. That's right. That well, he's getting executed. No, no, no. He got killed. He escaped and he got killed oh, by the cop. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. But it's like all of that. What you feel like there? That's there why there isn't going to be an appeal. Is because he's dead. Right? Because totally he's dead already. That. I was paying attention to. It, I just forgot. And it's like it's it's that like that should. I mean, it's a big deal in the movie. But then like it kind of that okay that storyline's done. Like there was yeah, I mean, but in a way that kind of happens in the book. Too. Right, and I think I think that's what he's pointing out is he's I think that's why he he's saying yes the book is important the story is important but the movie version of it comes across very much so. Like, there could have been a better resolve to what was well, happening. Well, you know and, what? I want to see Roger Ebert write a book that's so well loved <laughs> that it's taught in high school. Well, he can't because he's, he's dead. dead. <laughs> Still dead at this time. <laughs> Roger Ebert has not raised from the grave and started reviewing zombie movies, though I would watch that. Okay, well, Lindsay, um, any? Uh, did you have any thoughts? Any? 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 Lindsay comments regarding the film? I really liked it. I, that was my only comment. Is I really liked it, but I just think it'd be flip flop with Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Okay. Well, let me That's move on me. to my awards section. Um, I do not have any stuff and things with Jeff for this episode. Okay. Um, and I have one Inflation Nation. Okay. So 
and I, which I almost forgot if, cause you yelled at me that I like, I heard it and I then you yelled yell at me at and then it sunk in. Oh crap. That would actually be an inflation nation. So I quickly did it. <gasps> okay. So my awards for this uh, film, this film has a total of eight Oscar nominations plus an additional 27 award nominations. The Oscars that it was nominated for, but did not win would be best picture, best actress in a supporting role for Mary Badham. That's scout. Yep. Uh, best Director, Best Cinematography for a Black and White Film, and Best Music Slash Scoring for Elmer Bernstein's Jeff score. Jeff will agree with that one. I love the score to this you movie do. so much. And the uh, Oscars that it was nominated for and did win would be Best Actor in a Leading Role for Gregory Peck. Yeah. Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. Best Art Direction, Set Direction for Black and White Film. Uh, the award, or the film that it lost Best Picture to, because I looked this one up, because I was curious, Chips? you know. No, not Mr. Chips. Chips. Uh, Mr. Chips. I said Chips. You said, I thought it sounded like you said Chips. No, not Mr. Mr. Chips. Chips. <laughs> Mr. Chips. Um, the films, actually, that this year, there was a lot of, there's a handful of uh, of good films that came out that yeah. was in the awards. I think year. we read through this a little bit last week. I think week. we did a little bit. Um, it uh, This film lost to Lawrence of Arabia. For best picture. Which, gonna, which I have to really be careful to not call by its porn title when we start talking about the movie. Please don't. I well, no, you could. Not to. Maybe we should no. and just subtitle no. it Lawrence of No. Okay. No. Um, it also lost to that. We were film. doing so well. We haven't even said a bad word yet. You did. I said effed. No, you didn't. What did I say? You said fucked. What did I say fucked? <laughs> yeah, earlier. Oh, okay. Well, I did just now, too. Sorry. It's okay. So we said it three times. My bad. Um, I said it again. <laughs> uh, but however, Gregory Peck did beat Peter O'Toole for best actor. <laughs> Peter O'Toole. Which he just died. I know. Uh, and you know what? And this is no disrespect to Peter O'Toole, but speaking of porn, that name alone sounds like a porn yep. name, does it not? Mm-hmm. I mean, side note, let's, let's be... 15-year-old little girls or kids here. Peter O'Toole sounds like a porn name. Okay, back to being an adult. So, yes. And then finally, the film was entered into the National Film Registry in 1995. Good. So it will be here forever for everyone to see, which is really good and important. I understand the importance of this film. Yeah. I understand why it's on the list flat out. As we said, we had the the agreement that it probably could be flipped when Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yes. But I completely understand why it's on the list, why me it's too. so high up on the yes, list. Yes, me too. You know, even though Roger Ebert gave it a two and a half star, it's still a very well done movie, well put together, well acted. The story's good. It's very poignant. 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 Sometimes letters just mesh poignant. into other poignant. letters. Poignant. And um, poignant. It's impo- it's very important for <laughs> for like our history as a society and such. So it's 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 and it still has meaning today. Stuff and things. So stuff and things. No. All right, Lindsay, do your trivia. Okay. I will sit over here and occasionally comment on stuff and that interject. Said. And interject. Interject. The first scene that Gregory Peck shot showed him returning home from his character's law office while his children ran to greet him. Harper Lee was a guest on the set that day, and Peck noticed her crying after the scene was filmed. Why are you crying, Peck asked. Peck had just looked at her late father... Peck had looked just like her late father, the model for Atticus, Lee explained. Peck even had a little round potbelly like her father's. That's not a potbelly, Harper, Peck told her. That's great acting. (laughs) Gregory Peck's nine-minute summation speech was nailed in one take. Uh, the whole scene in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mary Badham and Gregory Peck became close during the filming and kept in contact for the rest of his life, and he always called her Scout. 
That's cool. Atticus Finch was voted the as the top screen hero in the last 100 years by the AFI. Really? Wait, yep. by the AFI? Yep. I need to look up that list. The piano in Elmer Bernstein's score was played by John Williams. Interesting. I did not actually know that. I love this score. Yeah. Did not know he played that. That's cool. Philip Alford, who played Jem, told his mother that he didn't want didn't want to go to the auditions for the part of Jem, but when his mother told him that he would miss a half day of school, he immediately decided to go. <laughs> After being offered the part of Atticus, Gregory Peck read Harper Lee's novel in one sitting and called Robert Mulligan immediately after to say that he would play the part. Oh. Brock Peter started to cry while shooting the testifying scene without rehearsing it this way, and Gregory Peck said that he had to look past him instead of looking him in the eye without choking up himself. Gregory Peck seemed like a cool guy. <laughs> Brock Peters <laughs> delivered Gregory Peck's eulogy on the day of his funeral and burial in uh, 2003. Oh. According to the comics, this is Clark Kent's favorite movie. To Kill a Mockingbird? Because mm-hmm. it's all about, like, justice and... <sighs> Tree jail. Justice. <laughs> Remember that? Maybe you haven't seen it. It's the progressive commercial. <sighs> Mary Bedham messed up nearly every take in the fa- in which the family is eating at the table. Philip Alford didn't like eating the same meal dozens of times, so in one of the takes of the scenes in which he rolls Bedham a tire, he aimed it at the equipment truck in an attempt to hurt her. <laughs> this is what you get when you work with kids. Apparently. <laughs> Robert Duvall stayed out of the sun for six weeks and dyed his hair blonde for the role of Boo Radley, who, according to the story, spent much of his life as a recluse. The character of Arthur Boo Radley is based in part on Harper Lee's recollection of Alfred's son, Bolaware, who lived with his parents in a dilapidated, mostly boarded-up house just a few doors away from the Lee home. He was he was, was kept secluded in the house by his father following a vandalism incident in which young Alfred was involved. The book descri- described in the book and in the movie as leaving the house only at night because the sun hurt his eyes. This would indicate that Boo Radley was a person with albinism. Lack of pigment in the skin, in the hair, and the irises of the eyes. And my discussion is, because we talked about this, like, if it is true that he had albinism, that explains some of it too, but they're, you know, it's not that Boo, like, they don't come out and say it, but mm-hmm. it's obviously he's not I don't want to say the word because it's bad. Yeah, it's not I know. that he's retarded. Yes. He's not mentally or physically disabled. Right. My guess is that he probably had something on the autism spectrum because he doesn't talk. Right. But he's not unintelligent. So Which, it's obviously and, something in that realm of disorders, I right. guess, or Which, conditions. As we, as we were discussing during the movie that, you know, obviously this this movie takes this movie takes place in nineteen thirty two. Um the events that Harper Lee wrote about in her own life were the summer of 36 so but it was that same era but it's still in the 30s somebody with yeah, autism or anything in, they still stuck people in asylums back then oh so. yeah well um you ha- they stuck the kennedy daughter in an asylum yeah. forever because mm-hmm. she there was something wrong with her and it yeah. turned out she was just autistic yeah i think was autistic don't quote me on that but it was it wasn't anything like bad she wasn't like crazy not she that wasn't any of those are bad it's no no no, 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 no. it's not that yeah she, it was something that would have been easily dealt with like nowadays it would have been just fine like yeah. there wouldn't have been a problem but they stuck her in a an asylum because they didn't know what was wrong yeah. with her back in the back in the 40s yep uh, Atticus Finch is modeled on Harper Lee's own father, an attorney whose 1923 defense of a black client inspired the novel's trial. Gregory Peck met with her father, who was 82 years old, and formed a strong bond with him. Unfortunately, <coughs> Lee died Sorry. during the filming. Wait, what? 
Um, her, oh, her father. Dad, her her dad. father okay, died yes. during the filming. So um, Harper gave Peck his wallet, his watch and chain. Peck was wearing that same watch and chain at the Academy Awards. Academy Awards the following year when he won the Oscar for Best Actor. That is I'm sorry, cool. I'm having issues speaking tonight. The character of Dill is purportedly based on Truman Capote, who had been a childhood friend of Harper Lee when he was sent to live with relatives in Lee's hometown each summer. Truman Capote, in turn, based one of his characters in his literary work, Other Voices, Other Rooms, upon his recollection of Harper Lee. Mary Badham became the youngest girl to receive an Oscar nomination, ironically losing the award to another child actress, Patty Duke, in The Miracle Worker. Oh, I didn't even look to see who who beat her out for it. Sean Astin's mom. Yeah, yeah. It has been reported that this was Gregory Peck's favorite work, the film debut of Robert Duvall. Finch was Harper Lee's mother's maiden name. Despite the novel winning the Pulitzer Prize, the studio was not interested. St- the studios were not interested in buying up the film rights as they deemed it lacking in action. There was no love story, and the villain didn't get a big comeuppance. The producer, Alan J. Polka. Disagreed, however, and persuaded director Robert Mulligan that it would make a good film. Together, they were able to convince Gregory Peck, who readily agreed. And it does. It makes a very good film. You know, I, I you know, despise what Roger Ebert said. It This movie, the story does make a good film. It's a very interesting film that I do agree they probably would have tried changing it today, too. I almost, I almost wonder if they wouldn't keep it as... I don't know. Great Gatsby was pretty close, wasn't it? Yeah. So I guess I can't even argue that. Uh, Director Robert Mulligan learned quickly not to rely on excessive takes as he found that the more takes that were required, the less spontaneous and natural his child's actors became. According to author Neil Gabler in the biography Triumph of the American Imagination, Walt Disney saw To Kill a Mockingbird and lamented that's the kind of film I wish I could make. At the time, Disney was creatively stymied, producing broad family comedies such as The Parent Trap and The Absent-Minded Professor, but would soon find a fulfilling project in Mary Poppins, which was from 1964. Do, 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 do. When he attended the Academy Awards, Gregory Peck was completely convinced that his friend Jack Lemon would beat him to the Best Actor Oscar for his searing portrayal of an alcoholic in Days of Wine and Roses. In the courthouse, the courthouse that was copied for this film still stands in Monroeville, Alabama, and is now a museum dedicated to the book, this movie, and the lives of Nell Harper Lee and the people represented in this work. Additionally, the town of Monroeville, population 7,000, produces a community play based on the book, held on the grounds of the courthouse and inside the courtroom every year. The play has received rave reviews and an achievement given that there are no trained actors, an achievement given that there are no trained actors in it, and has been performed by the Monroeville cast of the Kennedy Center and in Israel. Sorry, by the Monroeville cast at the Kennedy Center and in Israel. Tickets typically sell out just a few hours after going on sale. The town contains several historical markers bearing information on Lee and Truman Capote. The courthouse is no longer used for actual court proceedings. Much of it is not air-conditioned nor heated, a function of its old age. A new courthouse stands adjacent to it in the town square. By the way, to killamockingbird.com used to automatically go to MonroeCountyMuseum.org, that museum's place. 
Although Gregory Peck's inspirational, oh, Jesus Christ, I cannot talk to there are Those words, there was words, and they didn't all fall out the way you wanted, but it's okay, because although, you know what? You tried. <laughs> although Gregory Peck's inspirational performance as Atticus Finch turned out to be a perfect highlight to his long career, Rock Hudson was actually the studio's first choice for the role. Jimmy Stewart was also offered the part, but told the producers he believed the script was too liberal and feared the film would be controversial. Virtual. That is very Mother- cool. <laughs> That's very cool. So I'm looking at. Sorry, I'm on their website. I'm That's on the Monroe County website right now, and they have a picture of the courtroom. I have more inflation nation for you. Compared with the picture from a screenshot from yeah. the movie, and yeah, they flat out they did. Mm-hmm. They they it is almost identical. That's crazy how much they did matched what that courtroom actually yeah. looks like. I will post that on you the should. website. Okay, I have no Inflation Nation for you. No yawning. No yawning. Art directors Alexander Golitsyn and Henry Bumstead had an entire reconstruction of the fictional town of Maycomb, Alabama, built on the Universal backlot at the cost of $225,000. And this is in 1962. The set contained more than 30 buildings. It would have cost at least 100000 more had the two not learned of some southern-style housing about to be demolished to make way for the new Los Angeles freeway. They bought a dozen of them and had them brought to the studio. Such efforts resulted in the two winning the Oscar for Best Art Direction the following year. This is ranked number two on the AFI's 100 Most Inspiring Movies of All Time. Ruth White would spend four hours getting into old age makeup, only for most of her scenes to end up cut from the film as they tended to slow it up, because that's what they cut from. Because that's the one where her going, where Scott went to read, right? Yeah, she goes to read, and then she ends up dying later in the book. Spoilers. Ranked number one on the AFI's list of the ten greatest films in the genre courtroom drama. Are you serious? Top what? Top ten greatest okay. films in the genre courtroom drama. Thank God there wasn't a hundred. I was like, how the hell do you have a hundred of those? Quick, okay, let's pause for a split second. Let us look at the top ten courtroom dramas okay. on AFIs. Number ten, Judgment at Nuremberg. Never seen that one. Number nine, A Cry in the Dark. Number eight, In Cold Blood. Number seven, Anatomy of a Murder. Ooh, that's on Netflix. Number six, Witness for the Prosecution. Okay. Number five, Few Good Men. Number four, The You Verdict. can't handle the truth. I haven't seen A Few Good Men in forever. Number three, Kramer versus Kramer. Okay. Number two, Twelve Angry Men. And number one, To Kill the Mockingbird. Okay. Interesting. Interesting list. By the way, we need to discuss the top heroes and villains list. Oh, okay. Because that list is just fun as hell to go I also through. want to know what the most, like, the top 100 most inspirational movies are. I'll look that one up, too. Okay. Uh, Gregory Peck stated in subsequent interviews that he felt that the scene where he walks quietly out of the courthouse after losing the case, while the upper gallery stands in silent respect, along with the line given by the Reverend, Miss Jean Louise, stand up, your father's passing, is what won him his Academy, Academy Award. Academy Award. Academy Award. Shut up. I cannot <laughs> talk tonight. <laughs> Oh, we will have to go over the uh, top 100 inspiration. Most inspiring films of all time. We won't do all 100. We should just do the top 10. Top 10. The resident... Are you doing it right now? No, no. We, okay. uh, you, we'll, the residential we'll street where the Finches live was located slightly southeast of Universal's Courthouse Square. It ran in a westerly direction, then hairpin towards the back of the courthouse edifice from Mrs. Dubois' corner on what is now a small parking lot where Royal Crescent Drive and Jimmy Stewart Avenue converge. <laughs> Sorry, James Stewart. James Stewart. James Earl Jones auditioned for the role of Tom Robinson. And the first of six films director Robert Mulligan would make with his producer partner Alan J. Pakula. 
Pacula. P-A-K-U-L-A. Pacula. Pacula. I said it wrong. (laughs) That is it for my trivia. That is up. All right. That is up. That is up. Yep, it's spreading. Have failed. You're getting me sick somehow. Yep. All right, let's I'm quickly not sick. let's quickly do this. Um, just because I don't have a whole lot for other stuff. Okay. Uh, let's quickly just go over. We're not going to go over all hundred. We'll just right. do the top ten okay. of the most inspirational films. We'll just go over here. Take a shot. Let's say okay. Top ten films. Do you want to take a shot at what number ten is? Forrest Gump. No. I don't know. I don't even know where that's at on the list. That is not in the top ten, believe it or not. Just tell me the top ten. All right, so here we go. Actually, you know what? Forrest Gump, not on the list at all. All right, number ten, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Number nine, Miracle on 34th Street, the original one. Okay. Number eight, Breaking Away. Okay. Number seven, The Grapes of Wrath. Okay. Number six, E.T. Number five, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm -hmm. Number four, Rocky. Okay. Number three, Schindler's List. Number two. I can't judge. I haven't (sighs) seen it yet. I, it's hard to initially go on inspirational because the core of it yeah. does deal with the Holocaust, and that's, I think, what your brain goes to, but I can... Yeah, it's okay. Number two, To Kill a Mockingbird, and take a wild guess at what number one is. Take a wild guess. A wild guess. Better not be Sophie's choice. No. Okay. No, no. What's heavily inspiring? What movie makes gives you fills you with hope that life is not that bad? George Bailey. Oh, it's point. <laughs> I almost said do the right thing. Check and see if do the right thing's on that list. It is not. God damn it. But if it makes you feel better, neither is Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> I will hate that movie forever. We're getting a lot of crap for this one. No, and I do, I, I think I think that's that's an interesting list. That is a very interesting list of, of films because that's a lot of positive movies. I do really enjoy this the top 100 or 100 heroes and villains it's it's 50 heroes and 50 villains is what it is of all time and this list is is remarkable this alone would make it kind of an interesting uh uh series of movies to watch if you watched what's considered the best right. uh, you know best villains and best heroes because it's kind of all over the place now again for this one we'll just do the top 10 for each one okay so top 10 uh Heroes of all time. Number 10, T.E. Lawrence, Peter O'Toole's character from Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Number 9, George Bailey from It's George Wonderful Bailey's Life. George Bailey's number 9? Yep. Number 8, Ellen Ripley from Aliens. Aliens? Yep, Aliens. They, spe- they specifically said Aliens. Uh, number 7, Rocky Balboa from Rocky. Aliens! Number 6, remember that turtle? Hey, yo, remember that turtle? You know, I had the little walk in the rock and it walked up and I had to get it back. I took you it call turtles shell beavers. Sorry. <laughs> New girl. Number 6, Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. Number five, Will Kane from High Noon. Okay. Gary Cooper's character. Number four, Rick Blaine, Humphrey Bogart's character from Casablanca. Okay. Number three, James Bond, Sean Connery from Dr. No. Number two. Oh, it's a good movie. Indiana Jones from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, And then number one, Atticus Finch. That's the top ten. Where's Han Solo? Uh, Number 14. (laughs) (laughs) Um, then, uh, real quick, the top ten villains of all time. Number ten, The Queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Number nine, Regan McNeil from The Exorcist. Okay. Number eight, 
Phyllis Dietrich. Hell. <laughs> exactly. It does specify that the actor was Linda Blair, yes. voiced by Mercedes McCambridge. Okay. Because it was a different actress, obviously, that did the voice. Um, number eight, Phyllis Dietrichson, Barbara Stanwyck from Double Indemnity. Indemnity. Uh, number seven, Alex Forrest, played by Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Okay. Number six, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Aww. Number five, Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Number four, The Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> number three, you okay? Here, 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 here. List off the list off the top three. List off the care. No, not in any particular order. Just list off who you think the three top greatest villains, villains of all time. Darth in movie Vader, history. Hannibal okay. Lecter, okay. and Norman Bates. Yes. <laughs> you. I am awesome. You. I am the greatest. Flipped Lecter and Norman Bates. I am the greatest. Because it's Vader's three, Norman Bates is two, and Hannibal Lecter's one. Yes. I was gonna say, like when yes, you yes, think yes. of greatest movie yes. villains. Those tend to be the top three. I that would have you can said the of. Joker too. The Joker. Yeah. Which one? Doesn't matter. He wouldn't be on the our our Joker. Our Heath Ledger Joker is not on that list. It's too old. That's two thousand eight. Yeah, because I say Joker. Oh Jack, no, Dark Knight came out in two thousand eight. Jack Nicholson's still. the Joker is listed as forty five. Okay, I don't care. He's on there. Period. Yeah, this list is really like Freddy Krueger is on here. You got um uh. Uh, sorry, I'm spaced. Like Cruella Deville is on here. You have uh, the Joker. You have Hans Gruber from Die Hard is on this list. But then, like for heroes, you have uh, <laughs> you have Lassie. Lassie the dog is number thirty nine. Like it's it's. But you have the Tramp. You have Obi Wan Kenobi. You know you have Tarzan. You have Aaron Brockovich. You have juror number eight from Twelve Angry <laughs> Men. Like you have like this list seems like it'd be so much fun to do because it's all over the place. Right. It's all sorts of movies. You know that's not just like the greatest films ever made. It's just it's fun movies on there. I'm awesome. So very good, very good. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, all right, let me do um, let me do because I don't have stuff in things. Let right. me just do Inflation Nation, and then we shall talk about the next movie and wrap okay. things up. All right, so there's two Inflation Nations, I guess. Yep. Um, so the first one I would do is actually from the movie. The second one is the one that you listed. So the first one is a nickel, was yep. the amount that uh, Mayella Violet said she offered Tom Robinson to do work to bust up the Schiffer robe. Yes. Duh. And that is because I took I took 1932. Yep. Because 32 was the year the movie took place in. That is the equivalent to 87 cents. Okay. That's all that that has changed. Uh, and then the second one was 225 thousand dollars. That's a lot the, of. That's a big change if you think about. It. Oh, from a nickel to 80 to almost yeah. a buck. Yes. Yeah. But I've seen. I've, I feel like I've seen inflation. greater inflation yeah, for but certain still. years. Um, and then um, the second one from 1962 to modern day. $225,000 was yeah. the cost to build a set. That is the equivalent of $1.7 million. That doesn't seem like that bad. Not that bad, considering you're building to an build entire 30 town. Buildings? Yeah, that's nothing. Right. Because I'm pretty sure when Universal burned, like, five years ago, when half of yeah, the back lot burned down, yeah. uh, and the courthouse was saved, it's one of the few structures that didn't burn. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they spent, like, 30 or 40, 50 million dollars rebuilding that back lot. And again, it's not full homes. It's just fake fronts. But they added in a whole sprinkler system and all that stuff, so... Okay, so let us do any final thoughts regarding the film, and then we shall wrap things up. Uh, we obviously like the movie, correct? Yeah. Performances were great. We under- yeah. we like where it's on the list. Obviously, we'd like it. I would agree. I would like it. I probably would like it flipped with Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah. But again, that 
can very well just be our bias because yep. we both do equally love Jimmy Stewart that much. Nothing against Gregory Peck or anybody else in this film, but I right. do like Jimmy Stewart. I love Jimmy Stewart. So that would Jimmy be... Jimmy uh... Stewart. Is that Jimmy what we were doing? Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I got so confused. Um... Yeah, no, I don't really have much else to say, actually, regarding this movie. I feel like this was just a good film, and if you've never seen it, and one of the few times I will give this recommendation, if you've never read the book, read the book. Yep. I don't usually give recommendations to read books, because <laughs> I am an uneducated slob. No, because I just <laughs> don't I just don't usually read. I don't do a lot of reading. So, But I would recommend you reading the book if you've never read Me it. Too. Read the book, and then go watch the movie. Or if you are unsure about reading the book and you're like me and you don't like to read, then watch the movie first. And then if you really, really like the movie, read the book. The book's not that long. The book was always was kind of short. I only think it's like, like two or 250 pages or something like it's that. Pre- it's a decent length. Is it? Like, I know Greg yeah, Gatsby love- was short. No, Greg Gatsby's like 120 pages. Right. Like, that was a really short book. I, for some reason, I thought To Kill a Mockingbird wasn't. It's like that big. <laughs> Thanks for that visual aid on a podcast. <laughs> I'm looking up on Barnes and Noble right now. How guys, many guys, it's it only this big. It's really Shut not that. Up. It's, it's not like that. an inch. It's like an inch. There you go. <laughs> I suppose it depends upon the the font size I, that they're you. chosen. <laughs> well, welcome to uh, you know. Hope you guys enjoy next week's episode where it's Lindsay attempting to record the podcast on her phone because she doesn't know how to turn my microphone on because she's killed me. By the way, if you guys don't hear from me. <laughs> This is a signed affidavit from Lindsay stating that she's killing me. Anywhere it says pages? 384 pages. See, I don't know. That just, I don't know. Again, I guess having... Little print. Having read... Yeah, see, it it does... I guess if it is little print, that is a lot then. Yeah. All right. Fine. You win, book master. Yeah, you better believe it. You're the book master. I'm the the movie keeper. Okay. So... Next week's E.T. Yay. From 1985. I think it's 82. Six, <laughs> You're just now naming off numbers. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 82. Let's see if I'm right. You are. Yes. Because I'm because 2007 was the 25th anniversary, and that was when I saw it in theaters. No. No. Communism is just a red herring. Yes. Um, I watched Clue. I, I couldn't could tell. tell. I just had to watch Clue. Um, no. Uh, you've never. Mrs. Peacock was a man. <laughs> My other favorite line. Um, you've never seen ET? No, not all the way through from beginning to end. Um, the version that we will be watching is the original theatrical version, not the re-released theatrical version. Okay. Because the re-released theatrical version, Spielberg did his funny little "I'm going to be like George Lucas" thing, yeah. where he, which. Or he he digitally because they because they they remastered the film, they added back in a deleted scene yeah. of Elliot with ET, Elliot. and they also digitally, um, which I'm getting into the crap that I will probably discuss next yeah. time in technology. But they also they digitally uh, tweaked ET's face so he could emote more. Oh, okay. And they also digitally removed all the weapons oh, from the right. movie. Oh, that's right. They put in walkie-talkies. I and it's the that. dumbest thing in the world because you can tell that they're not holding. Who the hell would hold a walkie-talkie like a gun? Like, seriously. But I'm pretty positive the version that I have is the original, or the version that we are going to be watching will be the theatrical cut. Okay, I will make good. sure that that's the case. Good. So, and we'll discuss more about the 
the theatrical re-release because the theatrical re-release is the one I saw in the theaters with all those digital changes and I liked them initially and then yeah, not so much so but we'll watch it it's good oh god I haven't seen E.T. since that re-release right? actually so that's been seven years since I've watched E.T. oh it's gonna be exciting can't wait it's gonna be great I'm like a little girl I'm excited so excited yay yay I'm so excited and I just can't hide it busting out a say by the Bell reference oh my god okay anyways kiddos <gasps> Lindsay Jeffrey Go. It's all uphill from here, kids. Good night, Radio Rocky. <laughs> Say good night, CK Dexter. Hey, man. I have so long to wait until another Jimmy Stewart movie, you guys. This is killing me. Never get off the boat. Never get off that boat. I actually mm. don't have that long. I have Say, what, one, like, two, three. I have four movies to <laughs> wait. Correction, we have five. Yes. We're throwing the shining in there before and We already said that. Like, Did we really? Yes. I thought we didn't. No. Or did we keep a surprise what we're doing at Christmas? No, we're going to give a surprise what we're doing for Christmas. Okay. Halloween, we've, because, because I said it on the podcast that oh, you yeah. know what we need to do for the Halloween That's one? Right, it's forgot. so stupid, we need to do The Shining. So. Yes, it is. So, so we shall be watching The Shining. Okay. It's going to be exciting. It is. So five more and then yeah. another Jimmy Stewart. Yep. Oddly enough, the most Christmassy movie we probably could watch. And the most inspiring. <laughs> I'm so excited. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Goodbye. everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening I can to hear the underlying track as it's as it's going. Bye. Bye. I can't talk anymore. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>